Good evening, church, and welcome to this Wednesday night Bible study. My name is Michael Whittington, and I preach for the Antioch Church of Christ, and I welcome you to this study. Um, last Wednesday, we began a study on the 51st Psalm. It's a psalm of contrition. In fact, of all 150 psalms, this particular psalm really reveals David's heart, King David's heart, the psalmist. We've often read that David was a man after God's own heart, and we wonder how in the world could that be the case? I mean, he committed so many heinous sins, but the reason David was considered a man after God's own heart was the fact that when his heart was broken and sin would break his heart, that he would always go to God asking forgiveness. Now, there's a lot to be said for that and how we live our lives today. I'm convinced that there are many that I've met, I believe, not only at the Antioch Church, but all over the world, who are people after God's own heart. And when I look at their lives and see their love for others, and the very fact that when somehow that love is violated, especially if they're the culprit, then their heart breaks. And when one's heart is just broken um, and you beg God for forgiveness, that is not natural. That is not according to uh, the fallen world, human nature. That is the presence of God within you. Uh, it's been said before, to err is human, to forgive is divine. And there's a lot of truth to that truism. So we began this study last week on the 51st Psalm. And I welcome you back as we continue that study. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalms 51, and let's begin. Um, it's, a, it's a prayer for renewal. Uh, many of the Psalms are prayers. Now they're all songs. They were meant, they were written to be sung. And so you have 150 psalms, and of the 150 psalms, all 150 of them are hymns. But many of them are also prayers to God. And this clearly is a prayer for renewal. I opened up last week with the point, with the question, um, do we need renewal? And the answer is absolutely we do. Uh, we need to have our marriages renewed. We need to have our faith walk, our journeys with Christ. Every day, we need to rededicate ourselves, have them renewed. We need to be renewed uh, collectively in a corporate way. The body of Christ at large, the congregation at Antioch and elsewhere, um, our nation, we need renewal at every level. And this psalm can be applied. To every level as well. But if we don't apply it to ourselves, as I've said many times before, then the study of scriptures simply serves no purpose. It's a vain exercise. So I would encourage you, I would encourage you to, as we read through these words of King David, as we read through the inspired words, led by the Holy Spirit, I believe, um, apply it to yourselves. I'll apply it to me, you apply it to you. So how can we experience God's renewal? And the 51st Psalm really provides that answer. 
Very quickly, the background. We went over the background extensively last week, so I'm not going to have any lengthy reading of the text tonight. Um, but I will, from memory, just sort of share with you the uh, general thrust of, um, of these passages. If you really want to read through it thoroughly, you can turn to 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, um, and that will provide the background for Psalms 51. David's sins. Um, you'll remember in 2 Samuel 11, he saw he was on the rooftop of his palace walking about. He sees a woman bathing very near to the palace, these surrounding houses, uh, bathing on the rooftop. And um, she was beautiful. And so he inquired, who is this? And he was told that this is Bathsheba, who is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And as we mentioned last week, Uriah the Hittite was one of David's 37 mighty men. These were uh, hand-picked warriors who had proven themselves in battle, uh, no doubt promoted to the highest ranks in the Israeli uh, army, in King David's army. Uh, so in today's world, they would be general officers, generals, uh, admirals, you know, the highest rank we have on our military forces. Um, and no doubt he provided, I think, houses, homes for many of these mighty men. At any rate, we do know for a fact that Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, was bathing on a rooftop, which was the custom of, of wealthy people because the peasants and the poor uh, hardly had a hardly had even a room to live in, much less a rooftop to bathe on. Uh, she had to have servants draw water and so forth. So David sees her bathing. Um, he's enticed by her beauty to sin. He calls for her. He is the king. She summons. She comes to the summons of the king. He uh, lies with her, and um, and she becomes pregnant. And so she sends word to King David, I am pregnant. So what David did to cover his own sin of adultery, he sent for the chief of the armies, Joab. And he told Joab, um, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. He sent word to Joab to bring Uriah back. Uriah came back. The king encouraged him to go home, take a break, thinking that he would, of course, eat and rest and, and lie with his wife. Uh, but he didn't do that because Uriah had too much honor. So he slept on the king's uh, the um, steps to the palace. At any rate, he goes back into the battle. David sends Uriah back to the battle and tells Joab, who was the um, commanding general, told him to send Uriah to the front line that he might be killed. And he did that. And indeed, um, Uriah was killed. The moment Uriah is killed and the word came back to Bathsheba, she began a, a time of mourning. And during that time of mourning, uh, when that was over, um, David sent for her and they married. Um, and so that's what transpired. The, the way that David uh, really began to have his heart pricked uh, was from the word of the prophet Nathan. Nathan uh, comes to David and basically shares a parable. David didn't know that it was a parable. He thought it was just a true story. 
that he uh, was being asked to make a decision on. And so Nathan describes a parable between a very wealthy man, a rich man, and a very poor man. And the poor man had one little ewe lamb, a little female sheep that he had as a pet, not to butcher and eat, but as a pet. Pet for himself, pet for his family, pet for his children. And the rich man had a lot of, had many flocks and herds, the Bible tells us. And so Nathan is sharing the story with David. And he says, uh, oh, great king, there was these two men. This um, rich man had a visitor. And, but instead of taking one of his own flock to kill and eat and share with his guest, he went to the poor man's house. He took his only ewe lamb and he butchered it and he fed that to his guest. And David, the Bible says, his anger was kindled and he turns to Nathan and says, such a man should die. And of course, Nathan points his finger as well and says, you are the man. It's a beautiful parable and it really communicated a very clear point. And the point was that God, David, has given you so much, but you betray a trust of a friend, you commit the sin of adultery, even though God has given you wives and children and riches and glory. So you committed adultery, you committed murder, and you betrayed a friend, a trusted servant, and you are the man. Now, when David heard this, uh, obviously his heart was broken. Now he becomes the man after God's own heart. God's heart does not live at the moment in a man who commits adultery, murder, and betrayal. But the reason David was called a man after God's own heart is because he repented of his sins. And there's a lesson there too, class, that whenever I sin, then I need to beg God for forgiveness. And I need to repent. And I need to be renewed with the Lord. And the only one who can renew me is God and those I've sinned against to request their forgiveness so I can be renewed uh, with that relationship as well. So that's the background. We're gonna be taking the next, the first two verses. Uh, I've divided this into eight parts. And the first part is a cry for cleansing. Now th these are steps, steps that we can take to rededicate ourselves. And there are times that we simply need to cease and desist from life, to stop and to renew ourselves before God. And the way that we begin is we ask God, we beg God, we cry for cleansing. And this is how David did it. You'll see on the screen here. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy steadfast love, According to thy abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So let's look at those two verses. Uh, you'll notice that David's cry for mercy is contingent on the character of God. In fact, if you think about it, 
every everything that we have in our relationship, every uh, word I utter, uh, every prayer that I make, uh, either prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude, or a prayer for cleansing, or a prayer for help, no matter what my conversation is with God, I am completely dependent on God's character. And it's good to know that God's character is love, not, not punitive measures, but love. That's why the Apostle John said, God is love. That's why the great Shema, the, uh, which was the holiest prayer in Judaism, Deuteronomy 6, that's why we are to love God and love each other. Why? Because we reflect the image of God. And God loves me, he loves you, and God loves everyone. So if I'm asking God for mercy, I am basing that request, that, that uh, plea on God's character. And God's character is one of love and mercy. And it's, um, it's based on his covenant. You'll recall in Genesis 12 and verse 3, that God made a covenant with Abraham. And God told Abraham, I will uh, make of you a great nation, a great nation. And through you, uh, through your lineage of faith, all the people of the world, all the nations will be saved. Now, I want to note, I want, I want to read something from Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 6 uh, through 8, because we're, we're talking about a covenant, and I want to remind us that God's covenant uh, is everything, that his oath that he made to Abraham. Um, he says in verse 6, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Moses is writing this. Um, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples that are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people uh, that the Lord set his love upon you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Here's the reason God loved Israel and God loves the church. It is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath which he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. The point that I'm making is David, King David, understood the covenant relationship. He understood that, that when he sinned, he, he, he broke the covenant. He, he broke this communion with God. And so he begs God, based on the covenant, based on his promise to Abraham that he would forgive him, David, and that he would, uh, that he would renew his spirit. Even David will pray later, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. It, 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 it's all based upon God's character. Um, it's also based upon boldness. Now, I, I want to make a quick shift here to, to, the, uh, to Christianity, to the completed law, God's covenant with, with his people, the body of Christ, um, Jew and Gentile, all of us. Um, verse 15 of Hebrews 4, For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now look at verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Other translations read, let us then with boldness draw near to the throne of God to receive mercy and forgiveness. I want you to know, I want to remind you, class, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we have access to God through Jesus, through our mediator, Jesus Christ. He is our advocate. And because God sees us through the lens of Christ, because we have been clothed with Christ, actually the word means clothed Christ, Galatians 3.27. Since we have become Christians, what God sees, what the Father sees when he looks at, at Michael Whittington is not, is not uh, the Michael without Jesus, but it's the Michael Whittington who has been saved by the grace of Christ, clothed with Christ around me. So when God sees me, he sees Jesus. Therefore, I can draw near to his throne with boldness. And so when I cry for mercy, I cry through Christ. My prayers go through Christ. And because of that, God hears me because he has great love and mercy. And he forgives me. The only thing he asks is, which is in this psalm, is a broken and contrite spirit. He wants authenticity, not just words, not just, you know, rote, meaningless words. He wants to know, do you really, um, do you really repent? Do you really want my love and forgiveness? That's what David did. And what I've learned from King David is when I am confronted with my sins, and I know with God all sin is equal, but I tell you, church, I prioritize my sins. Uh, I, I, I really don't believe God does, but I can't help but do it. So when I commit a sin that I consider to be horrible, heinous, the more heinous I believe my sin is, the more I cry, have mercy on me, O God. According to thy abundant mercy, according to thy steadfast love, it's a cry for cleansing. Um, it's also a cry of confession. You know, we use that word confession quite a bit. Um, one of my favorite verses is on the screen, 1 John 1 and verse 9. John writes, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The word confess in the Greek New Testament 
is the word homo logeo, consists of two words, homo, H-O-M-O, which in English we have it associated with, with a lot of different words. Um, it means one, you know, homosexual, one sex. Um, and I could go on with other, but homo logeo. And what homo logeo, what logeo is, is a word. So <clears throat> basically a confession, according to God, is when we agree with God, when there is one word. So if I sin against God and I confess my sin to God, I'm basically saying, Lord, I agree. There is, there is one word here, homologeo, confess. I agree with you that what I just did was awful, was wrong. What I sin against Debbie or someone else out there, it's the same concept. I'm agreeing. If I confess my sins to you, I'm agreeing with you. I've wronged you. It's an agreement. I have wronged you. And since I agree with you, I beg you, please forgive my wrong. And that's what David is doing. His cry for mercy is based on God's covenant, on his mercy and his love. Now, the key to those first um, two verses is, is in the verbs. The power is in the verbs. The verb blot, wash, and cleanse. Notice how this grace is in action. I call it grace in action because when we're forgiven, grace has to be applied. Um, and so David says, have mercy on me according to, your, to our covenant relationship, according to your love and mercy. What I want you to do, Lord, is to blot my transgressions, blot them out, to wash me from my iniquity, and to cleanse me from my sins. Now, you'll notice in verses 1 and 2 that all the power rests with the verbs. When our sins are forgiven, then it's because they have been blotted, washed, and cleansed by God. And, and notice the three um, uh, nouns here, transgressions, iniquity, and sin. Actually, blot, wash, and cleanse are very, um, very similar. They're, um, they're very close to, you know, meaning basically the same thing. There's a little nuance between each one. But, uh, and the same thing is true when it comes to transgressions, iniquity, and sin. They all mean moral failure. So let's look at the first. Blot out my transgressions. The word blot has the um, etymology of the word is in the accounting field. And it means to erase, um, to erase my debts. For example, in Matthew 6 and verse 12, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my debts as I forgive those who are indebted to me. And the word forgive, afiemi, means to send away. So what Jesus mentioned in Matthew 6 and David alludes to uh, in Psalm 51 are the same thing blot out my transgressions. 
um, send away that which I owe you. I, I have sinned against you. I have broken our covenant. And I owe you something for that. Blot out, and I can't pay it. Blot out my transgressions. Uh, erase my debts. There's the text here in Isaiah 44, 25, where the prophet writes, I, I am he, God speaking, who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Well, I know that's true. It's in the Bible, God's word. And it's very reassuring, but I just don't know how it's even possible. I mean, I'm just saying that in such a way that I know this is what God says he will do and has already done in our lives. He has blotted out our transgressions. Notice the reason why. To forgive us without a doubt, because he loves us without a doubt. But he also does it for his name's sake. Do you, do you remember the 23rd Psalm written by David? Oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you recall in Numbers 18 when Joshua, um, where the spy, where Joshua led a group of spies and Caleb over to the promised land? There were 12 of them. I mean, they were, they were spying out on the land that God would give them. When the 12 came back, it was only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, that said, we can do this. The other 10 said, no, they're too big. They're, they're soldiers, make us look like grasshoppers. And God was furious, and he was going to kill them right there in the wilderness, the whole, the whole uh, remnant of the Jews who came out of Egypt. And Moses uh, interceded on behalf of his people and said, God, I beg you, do not do this for your name's sake. If you destroy the people who deserve to be destroyed, the, the surrounding nations will conclude that you could not finish what you started. So, based on your name, spare them. Now, what's really arresting is not that Moses interceded uh, and argued with God, but that he won the argument. That God relented and he said, okay, I won't, for my name's sake. God wants me to reflect his glory. He wants you to reflect his glory. 
And sinful man only reflects evil. When God forgives us and cleanses us, we once again can do what God has called us to do. And so Isaiah writes, God speaks, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I do, by the way, class, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends online who are listening, I remember my sins, but I'm so grateful that God doesn't. And I wish I would forget. And I think the one way, the, at least one, this is an aside, but that word in the New Testament conveys not just a memory loss. It, it means that what you remember will not um, affect your, what you're doing at the present. That uh, it's like forgiveness. If I forgive you, if you've sinned against me, I'm going to treat you at least I ought to, as if no offense was ever committed. And when I sin against God, and I beg God for forgiveness through Christ, God treats me as if there were no offense. He doesn't remember. He forgets it. It's a beautiful text, and I think it has reference to the 51st Psalm. The second verb, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Uh, last, uh, a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday, I preached on that Galatians 3.27 text. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, uh, slave nor free, male nor female, all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Do, do, I mean, if you were there, there in the sanctuary or listening online, do you, uh, um, do you remember that? from Galatians 3, uh, with the, the word for, for put on, the verb is induo, induo, pardon me, the accent's on that second syllable, induo, and it means to clothe. And so in baptism, what happens is God, the Father, clothes us with Christ. Our Renewal is only possible through Christ. Psalm 51, David says to God, wash me from my iniquity. You'll recall in Acts 22 and verse 16, where Paul is defending, um, it, actually he's offering his testimony, the road to Damascus. And um, he does it in Acts chapters 9, 22 and 26. But in Acts 22, he uh, concludes, he's, he's in Damascus, he's blinded, and um, Ananias comes, and the scales, you know, fall off his eyes, and Saul of Tarsus can now see again. He receives the Holy Spirit. He's already uh, believed and, and, and made the good confession, and no doubt, you know, clearly repented. And the only thing that's left with this part of this salvific uh, journey is for him to be uh, baptized and to clothe, have Christ clothe him. So Ananias says, Saul, why do you wait? Why tarry? Arise and be baptized and 
wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The word wash is, is a very carefully chosen word. And I just re am reminded of, of dirty clothing. You know, when I get my, my clothes dirty, they go on the washing machine, you throw soap in and water, and they're cleansed, they come out, they dry, and I put them back on, and they're clean. The same thing is true with our soul. And it's not a one-time deal. First John uh, 1 and verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with the other, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, present tense, cleanses us from all of our sins. So blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. That's so critically important for renewal. If I want to rededicate my life to God, the very first step is to cry to God to forgive me. And that's why it's a daily renewal. Every morning, get out of bed, Father, forgive me. That's why I enjoy saying the Lord's Prayer, because it's all-encompassing. Before I even leave the bed, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll even add your kingdom come, your will be done through me. It's my prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Provide for me. Forgive me my debts. Forgive me and lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Protect me. God provide, God forgive, and God protect. And then one's day begins. And you go through the journey of life until you take your last breath. But that's how we journey through life. With this renewal, with this constant renewal. It begins with the cry for cleansing. And in closing, I'd like to remind us that it's all about grace. It's all about God's unmerited, or our unmerited uh, request, and God's love and mercy to forgive. Grace. So my prayer for you this week is that you will ask the Lord on a regular basis to renew your spirit, to renew your journey of faith, to forgive you of your sins. And, uh, and if we all do that, and we all need to, then the body of Christ, the church, will grow more and more um, strong and grow together as we grow toward God, as we become more and more like God. Thank you for, um, for listening. I have no idea how long this has been, but I feel like it's been long enough. Um, let's close with a word of prayer. And I do uh, ask the Lord to, to, to bless you and keep you safe. Father, into your hands I commit this class, this lesson, and I pray that you will use it for your glory. Uh, 
may all of those who listen, including me, um, may we keep those kernels of truth that you want us to keep. May we, uh, as they say, may we keep the grain and lose the chaff. In the name of Jesus, we ask for your help. Amen. God bless. I'll see you next Wednesday.